1: For one more segment here on Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Noack. He's Steve Geller. Follow us on Twitter at Jeff Noack and at Steve Geller. W W L. Mine has an underscore in between those those two names. So, yeah, go UConn. I've uh, I've been very very much correct about my assessment of UConn being the best team in the NCAA tournament, and I'm going to win our work bracket despite having the worst bracket. If they win one more game, they don't have to win the championship. If they win one more game, I will win our work bracket despite having the fewest
0: total correct picks.
1: Right. Right. Just it, a It's them. just amazing
0: on how little everybody else had too much chalk, I guess. I don't know. I am the only person with their projected champion
1: left. No one else right. even right. has a team in the championship game left alive. Yeah. My only final four member is UConn. <laughs> and you have them losing. Had them losing to Houston. Right. Yeah. So, no one else could even get a point. It's all Yukon for me. And then I'll win like what, like $80. <laughs> yeah. Great. I'll make back basically all the you know it's funny because I, I bet on the first couple rounds of the tournament and I just got hosed. I was terrible. And I was I always avoid betting on Yukon because I only bet them to win. Cause I why would I ever bet them to not cover the spread? Right. Like I want them to do well. So I bet I don't bet with my head. In this case, I would have made a killing. Because they yeah, would have not only right. – like, they would have covered every spread. They've won every game by 15-plus. So I could have bet that in the over – done, anyway. No, it's, yeah, it's been sheer domination from them for sure. And and speaking of gambling, right, it's a good <laughs> segue here. We're going to talk about the over-unders that came out regarding the NFL for the 2023 season. Now, if you remember, last year the Saints came in at seven and a half, and everyone was like, "Grrr! how dare Las Vegas – tell us that this team is not going to win 10 games, right? Mm. Well, you get to the end of the season, and they're playing for it in Week 18. They had seven wins and nine losses. If they win that game, they're going over. If they lose that game, they're going under, and they lost. So if you were an underbetter, you you won by the skin of your teeth.
0: I'm guessing many of the listeners to our podcast were not underbetters, though.
1: I don't think I mean I think there was a lot of confidence in that team. And it, you know, and then we remembered the Vegas is almost always right. And so in that vein, how if do they we do want it? that to be true this year, yeah, I think they, they have a lot of they have a lot of money invested in not being wrong. You know, I think they do a pretty good job.
0: It's like how did how did they know that the that would be a season of the terrible no good injuries constantly happening, the the turmoil of quarterback once again, uh he, Jameis Winston going down early a uh, stupid double doink in, in London. Well, I mean, they don't know that. I'm just saying it, just how it panned out. It was like, I mean, damn, they had, it, they had it pegged perfectly, though, with the seven and a half, like you said. They don't put 15. They don't put three. You know, like the lowest is the
1: Cardinals at five and a half, right? The highest is the 49ers, Chiefs, and Bengals at 11 and a half. So, I mean, in that sense, like, yeah, some of the teams went way over, right? I think that they just projected the Saints to be a middle-of-the-road team, and they were. I don't think that they made that saying. Oh yeah, but they're definitely gonna start two and five and then beat the Eagles in week seventeen, right? Like that's that's or week sixteen. I can't remember. Like right, that's not how like it just happened that way. Because um, Gardner Minshew will be in, right? Right. Like it's uh and it just happened to be that for the Saints, right? Like the Eagles very much covered their over last year, right? And the Jaguars, actually, I don't know. Jaguars probably hit there, but either way. So if you are of the belief that the that the Vegas is always right and you also think that the that the NFC South winner is going to have fewer than 10 wins then why not but so the Saints come in at 9.5 and they started at 8.5 which means that when that line came out people hammered the over and so it went up and i think that any any team with an established quarterback gets a lot of credit in these figures because you look at like the Eagles the Saints the Lions, the Giants, the Seahawks, the Vikings. Those are the all the teams with 8.5 or higher. The only team that kind of doesn't have a quarterback is the 49ers. I was
0: going to say San Fran is that. Eh?
1: But they have proven that they can win with anybody. You could put a shopping cart with an arm on it and he would find a way to get it done. But yeah, so the Saints at 9.5 are tied with the Lions for the third highest like figure here which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah. The Eagles are 10 and a half. They're not getting any credit whatsoever. And then the 49ers are 11 and a half. So like it, it, like last year, I think Vegas projected a lack of confidence
0: in the team. This year, I think they're projecting a lot of confidence in them. Yeah, and to me, I, I felt the same way right off the bat. I was surprised to see them coming out with that high of a number. And yeah, it just goes to show that Vegas is much higher than maybe some others on this new quarterback situation where I'm I'm really surprised I guess on how many folks I guess are are doubting I guess you would say Derek Carr and what his situation here in New Orleans but to me uh, I I think we've seen a guy that's been able to produce in Vegas until last season was a down year and I'm just looking forward to him being able to you know, have that chip on his shoulder again coming here kind of deal. But I just don't think the situation overall was good there for him. And, man, I'm just hoping uh, for obvious reasons, this Saints defense can stay on an elite level uh, with at least the, the point-scoring defense. They just got to get a heck of a lot better when it comes to turnovers. Yeah, I guess. I'm betting the under. <laughs> for the wins?
1: Yeah. That's not a good bet. I'm not betting. I'm not betting on 10 wins. Like, that's a bad bet. There are bets you can take here. I'm not betting that unless I'm taking the under. Like, that's just not a, like, you might feel in your heart that the Saints are going to win 10 or more games, but like, there's a better than average chance that even if you win eight games, you win the division, right? So, like, they could get to the week 18 at nine and seven. You know, just like the Bucks this past season, but have already clinched. So in terms of just gambling, that is way too high of a line. If it was eight and a half, I'd feel better about it. Nine and a half, no way
0: am I betting that. It's just a bad bet. It's definitely t- a tough number. It's you know, 10 wins. At-
1: like everything would have to go right for them to be an 11-win, 12-win team. Right? Like if if a few things go wrong, I think you're down in the 9-win, 10-win range. And you're right on that margin. like. You're going into week 17 like not sure.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying in the sense of like – I'm trying to justify the over saying, okay, maybe, you know, you win five of your six division games, but I'm not even that confident in that.
1: Well, well, right. I'm just saying like if you're trying to win a bet, that's not the bet I'm taking. If you want to win a bet, go hammer bucks under six and a half. There's (laughs) no way that team – if that team wins seven games, it's a massive failure. They they got everything they were trying to do wrong. Like they are trying to lose. So that's the bet I'm taking. You know, Lions nine and a half. I'm not I'm not sold on the Lions. I think they they caught fire last year. I'm not sold on them kind of being a power now, which
0: that's kind of what you're projecting. No, I don't know where Jared Goff is. I do not consider a power.
1: Right. The Rams at seven and a half, I don't think they're gonna be significantly better than they were last year. I think they're Very much in kind of purgatory of like, they went all in, they got their title, they're never going to say they regret it, but these next few seasons are going to be rough. There's just no way around it. Can they find a way to get to seven wins? Maybe. I don't see eight in there. I definitely don't see nine. Cincinnati at 11 and a half seems tough, man. I'm not, you know... (sighs) So, yeah the chiefs at 11 and a half Bengals at 11 and a half and the Bills at 10 and a half then the Jaguars at 10 and a half it's just a lot of wins but it's h- really hard to bet on Pat Mahomes not getting 12 wins sure um and they're in the same division that's the weird thing <laughs> they play each other twice <laughs> so that if one of them sweeps the other one then that kind of kills it Dolphins nine and a half la Chargers at nine and a half. a very strong part of me wants to bet under nine and a half on the L.A. Chargers. Well, what's going to happen with Eckler over there? Well, right, and I just think this is the year Brandon Staley really loses his job. (laughs) And
0: Sean Payton's going, damn it!
1: Yeah, should have waited. Should have waited one more year. Speaking of Sean Payton, the Broncos eight and a half, so they're not getting any. they're, They're getting that immediate Sean Payton bump. They're not giving him a year at six and a half to to try to try to sort that out. I think eight wins would be a massive success. An eight and nine season for that team after what they went through this past year would be a massive success. Um, All right, so let's, let's move on a little bit. So there's obviously the NFL is kind of going through some rule changes this week and they're voting on it. The Saints made one rule change proposal. And it's one that I think they've been pushing for for a while. And I really would like to see it happen. Is they're proposing a rule change that would allow NFL teams to make just one roster cut throughout all of training camp. So instead of going from 90 to 85 to 80, you just go from 90 to 53. And so you would basically, you would be able to keep all 90 players on your roster until the end of the preseason, and then you would have to cut 27 players. It's obviously a lot of players, but it's not that much more significant than cutting 17 players. And like I don't understand why it's beneficial for anybody to have to go into the final preseason game where you're probably not going to play a majority of your starters and you only have 80 players. It doesn't make any sense. Like how does that help anybody? So it long, long and short of that is I don't understand why this rule will not pass, but I'm sure it won't for some reason. Well, you know why? Because it's the saints proposing it. <laughs> it's, possible. it's possible. You need 24, I believe um, of 32 teams to vote. Yes to change the bylaws. You know, there's a few other rules. One of them is they are voting to see if to they're voting on Thursday night flex scheduling. So for like from weeks like 14 to 17 or 18 rather, you know, they could potentially change a Sunday afternoon matchup into that Thursday night football role because they want to make sure that there's no meaningless games on national television, which I don't think that's going to help the ratings, but
0: No, and I, I think we talked about this maybe Friday sports talk, the we fact did. that how many teams you're gonna piss off too if all of a sudden you're playing and you're gonna flex me now to another Thursday game. I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, they would have to give them 15 days notice. I have a feeling even if they did put this in, it would rarely happen because, like you're like you're pointing out, like it would it would Right. That's really not fair to me. You're gonna say. Yeah, and so like I think they would want to avoid it, but like if you end up in week 16 with a <laughs> matchup of like you know, the Bucks and, and, you know, whoever, you know, the Panthers who are like four and 12. Right. I know what you mean. They don't want to have to deal with that. And so it's like, I think that's probably a situation where they would change it. But if it's even one team in playoff contention, I think that you would keep it. Cause like you look at like the flex scheduling, they don't really use it that often. Like they can do that now for Sunday night football, but you don't really see it very often, like maybe once a year when they can only do it from a certain point on. So I wouldn't be surprised if, You know, the NFL kind of like nudges some people and they end up getting that across. But
0: I'd be more in favor of them. I'd like to see them flex some Monday night games because after that whole weekend, you know, where we work Sunday, you don't get to see a lot of football. It's like, all right, cool. I'm off Monday. I just want to watch the last game of the week. And it's some crappy matchup. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, I don't understand why they why they're doing this with Thursday and not Monday. It's
1: a good question maybe it's cuz of the networks maybe ESPN has kind of like a non, like an exclusive exclusivity like right. something or no something other but yeah so there's only a few other rule changes that are that are actually notable right like every year they try to make roughing the passer reviewable and then never passes you know they want to make it so you can wear number 0 which would be kind
0: of fun hmm. the only rule change i wish would happen is we we stop with the nonsense a, a lot of taunting stuff or you know the or what's getting called as roughing the passer anymore. One other rule change that I would like to see them
1: them enact is from the Detroit Lions, and it's basically to to bring back the emergency quarterback roster spot, which they always had, but basically they just kind of left it up to teams whether they would use this spot for a third quarterback or an extra player. And every team decided to carry an extra player. (laughs) And so what ends up happening is you only have two quarterbacks on the roster and Brock Purdy goes down and then Josh Johnson goes down and you end up having to put Brock Purdy back in the game because he's your only quarterback, even though he can't throw the ball. Right? So the proposal is, so you basically get an extra roster spot on your active game day roster and That position can only be filled by a quarterback and that quarterback can only go in the game if your first two quarterbacks have been ruled out. So it's like, it's not an advantage, but it just helps you avoid a situation like the 49ers found themselves in, in the playoffs where they didn't have a quarterback and it doesn't happen very often, but when it is needed. Yeah. Well, I mean, would their result have been any different had they had Mike Glennon, right? (laughs)
0: You know, what's his name? Uh, Jake Luton. I'm still waiting for the day. When are we seeing a Camara pass for crying out loud? I know he's been the Saints emergency QB, and he's dying to throw on. As long as Taysom Hill's on the roster, it's never going to (laughs) happen. We could have a a Camara to Taysom play. People
1: really lose it. There's one other one that I'll mention. The LA Chargers are submitting a proposal to change the playoff seeding structure and essentially make it so a wild card team could have a top four seed. So, like, if you end up in a situation like last year with, in the NFC where the Giants had a better record than the Bucks, they could theoretically finish in the top four and get a home game, whereas the Bucks, despite winning the NFC South, would go on the road because they sucked and they didn't deserve a home game. <laughs> and that, that's never going to pass either, right? Like, right. It, it's funny because it makes sense until you think about it like, well, yeah, the LA Chargers don't have any home fans anyway. You know what I mean? So, whereas like, if you're a team that wins your division, one of the benefits of that is you get a home game. And I don't understand why there's this idea that it's like, no, you win your division, go win
0: your freaking division. That's like one of the few perks of winning your division. Yeah. It's a, a a little questionable there that I I think there's a lot of people though, that are all about the best record should determine your seeding. though. I've been, I don't know why, I feel like I've been hearing more and more people pro that instead of rewarding your division winners. It doesn't seem like that's something that's not as held as highly anymore. I don't know. The fact is you play six division games
1: a year and those are supposed to mean Mean something. something. Yeah. And so you're just, all you're doing is taking away the juice from those games. And I don't know why you would do that. It's like for, for the one team that gets screwed over because they weren't the best team in their division, but it's like, be better, be the best team in your division. Otherwise get rid of divisions.
0: Cause they don't matter. Right. Like that's what I'm going to say then too. Like if, if you go to this format, then if you're going to start just caring about only what the win losses are, and yeah, they're, take they're, the top six teams and move just, on. Yeah, exactly. Forget a, just have AFC, NFC. There's no divisions anymore. Right. Right. Anyway, I agree with that. Um, so the
1: last thing we'll talk about is they have set the dates for the OTAs. And mini camp. Woo-hoo. I don't really have much to say on this other than you're talking May 23rd through 25, 30th through June 1st, and then June 5th through the 8th. They're all voluntary. You can't do any contact work,
0: but you can run 11 on 11 drills. So, woohoo. I love how it says it's voluntary, though, but you know, damn sure that Derek Carr and most of the guys are going to be there, obviously. Most, but you know, a guy like
1: Mike Thomas, who would typically not show up in the past, maybe this year he shows up, right? Like there might be more value placed on it this year just because you need time to get to know. Like when they went to Jameis Winston, I don't think there was as much pressure on these OTAs, on the on the OTAs that year because he'd only been there for a year. They are, were already familiar with him in that role. And it was also a quarterback competition between he and Taysom Hill. So it was like, it wasn't just someone new that you were trying to get used to in this case it is. So I would be a little disappointed if, if I didn't see Mike Thomas there for just for the reason of like you, I want him to have as
0: much work with Derek Carr as possible. I wanted too last year how much were things, you know, it was coming back from the two COVID years. So how much were things to like getting acclimated quote unquote back to normal? And to be fair, I do think Mike Thomas was in the building for those workouts. He just wasn't on the field
1: because he wasn't ready to get on the field at that point. He didn't get cleared until the day of the first training camp practice. (laughs) So like I I think he was he was active, right? Like he was working with the team, but he was not out on the field. So hopefully this year there's no hang ups. He can just get out there and get as much work as possible. One way or another, we will end up seeing him, assuming he's healthy, from June 13th to 15th. That will be the mandatory mini camp that everyone has to be at. And then there's also going to be a probably I assume a rookie mini camp after the draft. That's not not every team has one of those. So there's no schedule put out for it. And there's also no dates right now for the full training camp, but that typically starts kind of the second or the last week of July. Yeah, that's all that's all I got. Anything
0: else you want to hit before we go? No, just uh gearing up more for NFL draft time. And man, the Saints squad is They're just always something to keep up with. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't doubt something big coming from Dennis Allen on Tuesday at the owners meetings kind of thing. I think the biggest soundbite last year, at least to me, was when he proclaimed that Taysom Hill was going to be, quote unquote, the tight end position. And just uh, looking at him uh, in that position, it really just never happened. So can't always believe what you hear, I guess. You know, we'll have that com- on
1: Friday, hopefully, um, based on whatever he says, we can go over that. And yeah, I mean, this is the time of year where you you hear a lot of words, but none of them mean anything. So yeah, that's that could be the tagline for this podcast. I like it. Yeah, let's wrap on that. This is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks everyone for listening. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button wherever you can do it. I promise you there's a button. Just got to go find it, leave a rating, leave a review. Until the next time,
0: who yeah. Black and roll.